Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good. You guys sound great today. I feel like some of you, like you normally come at nine, but you slept in today. You got a little more energy. You got a couple extra cups of coffee, but I'm thankful you're here today. Thankful you got up today and chose to come and be a part of what God's doing here at Generations Church. And uh, I think you made a great choice just to come and to be with us today, not necessarily because of us, just to be in the house of the Lord together. So I'm thankful for that. If I've not had the chance to meet you, my name is Jeremy, and, uh, and I would love to meet you after church today. I'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But uh, man, what a great week we had last week, Easter at Generations Church. We had a fantastic uh, weekend together. We started on Good Friday. We celebrated kind of the reflection of the cross together around round tables and a really experiential type of night. And uh, then we started off Sunday morning at a sunrise service out on the front part of the property and uh, just a great time together. And then we had our two services indoors at 9 and 1030. Really fantastic day of just celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, we had a bunch of things that happened. I'm going to talk about even one of those later in our time. But uh, numbers don't tell the whole story, but they definitely tell a part of the story. So last week when we had almost 700 people, 679 people together last weekend, 533. Yeah, absolutely, for Easter Sunday morning. My favorite number of the weekend was that 24 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior last week. Absolutely. We never, never get tired of celebrating those decisions, and we're super thankful for that. And if you did make that decision last week, if you were one of those 24, or you've been a part of maybe the 65 or 70 people that have done so since January 1st this year at our church, or maybe you have just never been baptized in water, or you've recently made what's called a recommitment, even if you were baptized previously, but you want to just signify that recommitment with baptism. We're doing water baptism on May the 21st, so in just a few weeks, We'd love for you to register to be a part of that so we can give you some information about it. But we would have just nothing greater you could do than for us to be able to celebrate with you the decisions that you've made for Christ recently. So we want you to be a part of Baptism Sunday on May the 21st. And then I told you, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to meet you right after the service, Corey and I and some of our team. uh, We call it Salsa with the Staff. I love Mexican food. I'll probably have it in about an hour and a half, but uh, I I love for you just to come just for a few minutes for us to get to know you. You get to know us a little bit to hear your story. And uh, so if you didn't register, if you did register, join us. If you didn't register, we should have enough uh, salsa and guac and queso just to kind of appetize your lunch. So uh, come be a part of that for Salsa with the staff. I'm excited today because we're kicking off a brand new series called What's Next. And, And when you hear that phrase, I don't know what it makes you think. But when I hear that phrase, it prompts a lot of thoughts in my mind. I, I, I think of a lot of different things, but really the, the, the thing that jumps out to me comes from probably my favorite television show of all time. Now, there's a lot of great TV shows. If we polled everybody in the room, you would have so many different television shows that you've enjoyed over the years. I grew up on the Andy Griffith show, all right? So that, that should have got an amen right there. I don't know. Like, that's a fantastic show. But you're not with me yet. It's fine. You'll get with me in a minute. But I grew up on the Andy Griffith show. We had a little TV VCR in our kitchen. It was about this big, I think. But uh, when we were eating breakfast every morning, my mom had the Andy Griffith show on the television. So I, I, I ate breakfast every morning growing up to the Andy Griffith show. 
But uh, that's a fantastic show. Maybe it's Friends or Seinfeld or it's some other show. Maybe it's like a, a, an FBI type show or something else, depending on your specific genre that you love. I, I love a lot of different shows, but I, I've said this for a long time. I, I loved politics and government even as a child, and I wanted to maybe pursue that to help other people. And so the fa- my favorite TV show is a show called The West Wing. I'm sure I got a clap over here. Nobody else is with me. That's fine. That's fine. You're going to get with me in a minute. We're going to have fun today. But I love the West Wing. It was the story about the president. It was a fictional story, but a story about the president and his White House staff, kind of a behind-the-scenes look at how the government ran. It wasn't about me loving the policies or even all the things that they discussed, but I did love kind of this behind-the-scenes look at the White House and that type of environment. And one of the things that I loved about the show is no matter what was going on, the president would always say to his staff, whenever they finished making a decision or finished a conversation, he would say, what's next? What's next? He said it every time. And sometimes they would have conversations about like why he asked it so much. He was like, listen, there's a sense of urgency that I have to accomplish something else, to help more people, to do something else that's greater. And so he was constantly pushing them to look at what's next. There's also an episode in season two that they have lost this space shuttle that is going to Mars. And, uh, and they're having a conversation. A guy by the name of Sam Seaborn, he's the deputy White House communications director. He's played by the actor Rob Lowe. He's standing outside of a formal event, but they're tracking this space shuttle, trying to see if they can get it back. And he's having a conversation with the chief of staff's daughter, and they're talking about this idea of what's next. Now, if you are under the age of about, I don't know, 25, you've never seen footage this grainy in color, okay? But we downloaded just a little clip. We're going we're gonna to watch this together, and then we'll come right back. All right, so here you go. Turn your attention to the screen. I spoke to my dad. I'm sorry about Galileo. You've got a lot of tests that you can still try. How much money is it going to cost to try it? Don't start with me. I'm asking as a taxpayer. It costs $165 million to lose the thing. How much more money is it going to cost to make sure you're never going to find it? I don't know, Mallory, but we certainly won't divert any municipal tax dollars, which are always best spent on new hockey arenas. No, it's best spent feeding, housing, educating. There are a lot of hungry people in the world, Mal, and none of them are hungry because we went to the moon. None of them are colder, and certainly none of them are dumber because we went to the moon. And we went to the moon. Do we really have to go to Mars? Yes. Why? Because it's next. Because we came out of the cave, and we looked over the hill, and we saw fire, and we crossed the ocean, and we pioneered the west, and we took to the sky. The history of man is on a timeline of exploration, and this is what's next. I know. People like you who say that. What? I said, I know. We're supposed to be explorers. The history of mankind is hung on a timeline of exploration. I love that thought because it constantly prompts us to think about what's next. It constantly pushes us out of a settler mindset and into a mindset of exploration. And the challenge for all of us, and this is human nature, so if you feel this way, if you've done this, if this is your pattern of behavior, there's nothing wrong with you necessarily. We all do this in some form, but you think about starting a new job. Like the first day of that new job, you're excited. You're trying to learn how to work the copier and meet all of the coworkers and figure out what the first staff meeting where we talk about the projects that we work on. And about six months in, you get so tired of this job, you're complaining about it because we get complacent and the newness has worn off. The same is true in relationships. You think about those first dates and you got the butterflies and you're trying to figure out what they love and what they enjoy and what makes them laugh and what kind of flowers they like and what's their favorite food. And after a few months or a few years, like we've stopped asking those types of questions. We've stopped focusing on those things. We've gotten complacent in the relationship. And so we're no longer exploring the newness of what could be in the context of that relationship. The same is true in faith and church. 
Because if you think about maybe the first time that you encountered God in some form where you knew, you recognized it was him, the first time that you actually read the Bible and it it spoke to you, it meant something to you, it spoke right to what you were walking through. When you made a decision to follow Christ, there's an excitement and an energy and, and we love what we're experiencing and what God is doing in our hearts and lives. But after a few weeks or a few months or maybe a few years, we've just gotten comfortable. We know what to expect. It's like, okay, they're going to sing a couple songs. Then this guy's going to talk to us for like 30 minutes and then we're going to give some money and then we're going to leave. And that's just what church looks like. And I guess that's what faith looks like as well. But, but what I want us to do over the next few weeks together is to constantly ask this question, what is your next step in your walk with God? What is your next step? Now, for some of us, it might be pretty obvious because we haven't really taken many steps in a, in a relationship with God. And so it's, it's obvious to take that first or second or third step that we may talk about. But for others of us, and, and I hope that you hear my heart, you've been in church for a long time. You've been in and around faith and a relationship with God for a number of years, perhaps. And you would think, well, I mean, I, I kind of know what to do. I know what to expect. I don't, I don't know that I have a next step. Can I just say to you with all the love and compassion I have for you, you've got a next step. There's something else that God is asking of all of us. And, and when you answer that question, like, what is your next step? The answer to that question will probably determine whether or not you want to keep hanging out with us. Because I believe that all of us have a next step to take, and we want to help be a part of that journey for you. We want to help equip you and resource you and and compel you to continue to strive for and pursue a growing relationship with God in a variety of different forms. But what we say here is that, like, you you can belong here before you believe. And so some of us, we're kind of hanging out in this environment But we don't really know if we believe yet. And we've got some questions and and we believe in theory, but the practicality of living it out every day, like we're not really sure what that looks like. This is a place that you can explore faith. This is a place that you can pursue it and try to understand it and do so in the context of community. We love you right where you are right now. We just love you too much to let you stay there. Like our heart for you is more, it's to explore, it's to chase and pursue all that God might have for you. So we want to call out the potential that we see in you. We want to give you opportunities to experience the presence and the power of God in the context of community and to use the gifts that God has placed in you for the sake of others. And we're committed to helping you do that and to live a life that actually matters, to live like it matters because we believe that it does. And so the first thing that we want to talk about today is this reality, we believe that you can actually know God, that we believe you can actually know God. Ephesians chapter one, verse 17 and 18 says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. There are some things that we need to learn, obviously some knowledge and wisdom, But ultimately, what we believe about God is that he is revealing himself to all of us. And so that idea of revelation is that God would would show us who he is. And as he shows us who he is, that we would know him better and better. And so for all the Christians that might be in the room who have already kind of tuned me out, let me just say to you what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. There is a difference in knowing about God and truly knowing God. But there's also a difference in you knowing God and God knowing you. 
Like opening yourself up to him and saying, God, you, you formed me in my mother's womb according to Psalm 139. You knitted me together. And I'm so thankful for that. But I, I want to be in the kind of relationship where I'm, I'm giving myself to you, but I'm also learning how you are giving yourself to me. This is a two-way relationship. And I want to know you. God, Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. What a tragic thought that we would know God in theory and in knowledge and in facts and in figures and historical things and even the things that are written in the Bible, but that our actions would deny him. That what he's asking of us, what he's calling us to, that we wouldn't follow in that pursuit and that our actions would deny what we claim to know. I believe that we can know God in a personal way. I really do like in an actual relationship with him, that we can talk to him, he can talk to us, we can feel him, we can be guided by him, we can be comforted by him in times where we need comfort. I believe that with all of my heart. And, and I also believe that for some of us, what's taken place, and this is not me judging you or judging me or judging other people, but I think what's happened in that same way that we kind of learn things and the newness wears off and we become complacent is we know some of the big stories, like maybe you grew up in Sunday school or children's church or you've been in and around the church long enough that you kind of know about knowing the ark and Jonah in the well and Peter walking on water and who Jesus is and he went to the cross and we celebrated that and the Christmas story. Like you know the big things and it's like, okay, I know God and I know the stories of God and we feel like that might be enough and we've just stopped pursuing him and we've just said, hey, you know, I know all that I need to know in here. But I think that knowledge, that intimate type of relationship that God desires for us is not just about our heads, it's about our hearts and our souls. That it's about us desiring to give ourselves completely to him, but also to hear all that he would have for us. And so what I want us to spend a few moments talking about today is, is how we can know God, very practically, very specifically, with as much application as I can give to you. Because as we talk about this thought, I want us to keep this at the forefront of our minds, that God is not hiding from you. God is actually revealing himself to us in a variety of different ways. He's making himself known to us. He's showing himself to us. And he desires that we would seek him and seek him with all of our heart. And scripture tells us in the book of Jeremiah that when we seek him with all of our heart, that he would be found by us. That he is revealing himself to us and wants to be found. He's been hiding in plain sight the entire time. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. In his divine power, he's given us everything we need for a godly life. And really what that boils down to is a knowledge of who he is, his glory, and his goodness to us. So I want to talk about three very specific and practical ways that God reveals himself to us, to be known by us. Here's the first, through his word. When I say the phrase his word, I'm talking about the Bible. It would also be scripture, holy scripture, however you might reference it. And I mean it in printed form. So if you've got a Bible that you bring with you or you've got a Bible at home or somebody gave you a Bible as a gift, I mean it in that form. I also mean it in an app on your phone or iPad or a device that you have. You have the Bible available to you, the scripture available to you. I mean it in those forms as well. 
If you don't own a Bible, but you want a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible free of charge, no strings attached, because we believe that this is an instrument that God uses to reveal himself to us, to help us to know who he is. If there was somebody in your life that you wanted to know, like you really wanted to know them, you wanted to know all about them, you wanted to know everything you could know about them, and you found out that they wrote a book about themselves, I think you'd probably read that book, even if you hate to read, even if you haven't read a book since you graduated high school. Like I I think you would probably find a way to read the book about someone that you genuinely, desperately wanted to know something about. Well, that's what we believe about the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. I love that. But more importantly than that to me is that all of scripture is God-breathed. It comes from God. That he gives to us not some just history book, not, not just some facts and figures about himself, not some incredible stories that are contained within the pages of Scripture, but he gives us a story about himself, that what we call the meta-narrative. It is the larger narrative of Scripture. If you could go to the first page and then flip all the way to the last page, there's one overarching story from the beginning to the end. That meta-narrative is God's relationship to humanity. It's God reconciling man. It's bringing man and woman back to himself because of what sin constructed and deconstructed in that relationship. There's this incredible meta-narrative that exists in Scripture, and it's God-breathed. And so when you and I look to God's Word, we don't just read a specific book. We're reading the Word of God. I've always loved to read. I've always loved to read. I tell the story that on my first birthday, my uncle gave me two books as a gift. I was one now. Keep in mind, I couldn't read yet. I was not doing a whole bunch of anything productive He gave me two books. He gave me the autobiography of John F. Kennedy and the biography of Martin Luther King. He desired, I guess, for me to learn all that I could and go into politics. I I don't know, but got it for my first birthday. I I talked to him a few months ago about this. We were together at a family function, and I said, hey, I remember being told. I I didn't remember the first birthday, but I remember being told, and I remember reading those books when I got a little older. He was like, I knew something. I knew, you know. I don't know if he knew or not, but that's what he gave me for the first birthday. And so I've always loved to read, and I'm thankful for that. My, my family are, is a family of readers, and we love to read. But over the last few years, as our schedules have gotten busier and more hectic, and whatever, I've, I've really turned a lot to audiobooks, not exclusively. I still love picking up a printed book and reading it and underlining it and dog-earing the edge of the page there. I love those kinds of things. I love electronic, Kindle-type. Th- I love that. But I love audiobooks because I can listen to them in the car. And I can, I can listen to the stories and on a commute or if I'm on a treadmill, I can, I can put headphones in and I can listen to the book. And so I, I do enjoy that. But my favorite type of audiobook is the book that's read by the author. Now, if you have a job where you read other people's books for a living, I hope you make millions of dollars. But I love when the author themselves reads the book because there's like these little nuances, like just a little bit of like voice inflection and emotion that you hear as you hear them read the pages of their book from the words that they have written. There's just really something special about that. And that, I believe, is what God desires about the Bible for me and for you. That the more I read the Bible, I actually begin to hear the voice of God. 
Now, let me just say to you, I have never heard the audible voice of God, like out loud, like you're hearing my voice right now. In my head, it sounds like Samuel L. Jackson, but I don't know. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. How, I don't know how it sounds. If you've heard it and you can tell me, you tell me something different. That, that's how it sounds in my head. But I've never heard the audible voice of God. But when I'm reading God's word, there are a number of times in my life, hundreds and hundreds of times, I believe, that I would attribute the voice of God speaking to me compelling me, convicting me, training me, rebuking me, challenging me, because that's what God's word does. It's the voice of God through the word of God speaking into my heart and into my life. Now, over the last few weeks and months, I've had a number of different meetings with people from within our church, and some form of this statement or question would be, like, I don't know where to start. I want to read the Bible, but I don't know what to read. You ever been there? Anybody ever been there? You want to be honest? Raise your hand. Seven of us. That's awesome. The rest of you, tell us what to read. But every now and then, like I'll read and I'm like, I don't know what to read right now. I don't know what to read. I'm not sure where to start. I don't know what this means. I don't know how these stories are connected to those stories. And you ever done parachute reading where you just kind of open it up and like, God, speak to me here. The grain offering is, and you're like, I don't know how that applies to my life, right? I'm with you. I'm the same way. I believe a a more efficient and productive way to read the Bible is systematically. That I would like find a way that I'm planning to read strategically through the Bible. And so over the last few weeks and months as I've met with various people, I I would talk to them about devotion books and Bible reading plans. And if you you have a a device of any kind, you can download the Bible app, YouVersion Bible app. There are thousands of reading plans. And you can go in and it's three days, five days, seven days, 30 days, 365 days. You're like, hey, I want to read through the Bible in a year. It will tell you how to do that. You're like, I want to read something related to marriage. There are hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of reading plans that's the Bible specifically targeted towards the things that impact your marriage. There are reading plans that you can go, hey, I want to read in the context of sports or finance or business or leadership or parenting. or any. There's so many different things. And it's God's word. And you can read those and complete those plans, and they will help you to read through God's Word. There are also printed devotionals. You can buy them off Amazon or at bookstores, and you can read those and kind of have it next to your Bible and read something, and then it tells you what to read from the Bible. But I also, we've got our SOAP guide as a church where we just equip you to kind of read a chapter a day and walk through what it might mean. SOAP means scripture, observation, application, and prayer. There's a number of ways you can read the Bible. And if you're not sure where to start, let me just give you a couple Read through the Gospel of John. It's a great gospel. It's the life and ministry of Jesus, one of the four specific accounts that we have. Read any of the Gospels. They're great. But the Gospel of John's a good place to start. You can stay in the New Testament. You can read the book of Acts. There's really great stories that connect the ministry of Jesus to the kind of the formation of the early church. You can read the book of James, which was written by the half-brother of Jesus. And it's, called, it's usually called like the New Testament Proverbs. There's like these short bite-sized things about how to live on this earth and live in ways that honor God. I love the Old Testament. So I love the stories of the Old Testament. Read the book of Genesis. It starts in creation. You've got Noah and the ark. You've got some of these stories that you're very familiar with. It's long, 50 chapters or so. But you get to kind of chapter 36, 37, 38. You start really the, the family of and the story of Joseph. And it walks all the way through the end of that book. Exodus is phenomenal. When you get to like Deuteronomy and Numbers and they start counting people and Leviticus and law, like that gets challenging. If you've ever started a Bible reading plan January 1st, I know you're struggling by the time you get to the end of February. Like you're just like, oh man, they're just counting people for days and days and days. I got it. Like I get it. It's tough sometimes to read 
those books. But I, I love to read First and Second Samuel, the stories of King Saul and King David and the formation of God's people into a nation. If you're in leadership in any form, read the first seven, eight, nine chapters of the book of Nehemiah, a guy who came, became burdened about a problem and rallied a team of people to solve that problem with the help of God. The, the book of Proverbs, there's 31 chapters. You could actually read a proverb every single day, every single month for the rest of your life. Like they're just, you just reread it over and over and find out what wise people do and what foolish people do and try to figure out which camp you want to be in. There's some amazing things in God's word. It's not just some random collection of stories. It is God breathed and useful for so many things in our lives because God desires for us to know him. He desires for us to know him. Here's the second thing. He reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. We believe that there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And we believe that as Jesus was walking on the earth, what an incredible advantage it seemed to be for those who were living at that time that he would be right there, flesh and bone, right in front of them. But he was leaving and he said, it's actually better for you that I leave and I will send the helper. I will send the Spirit of God to the earth. And so now it's not just having access to the physical, like flesh and blood, Jesus standing in front of us, we all have access to the Spirit of God to live on the inside of us and help draw us towards repentance for those things that we need to repent from and to guide and lead us every single step of the way. And, and so we, we think that that's a, an incredible gift from God. And so through the Holy Spirit of God, God desires to be known. This is what it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. We continually ask that God would fill you, it says, with the knowledge of his will, his plan, his desires for your life, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That, that's, that's, that's an important part of this story, that the Spirit would give us wisdom and understanding about who God is, but also what God desires for us. And so if you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like it could be as specific as, I don't know if I should take this job or that job. We believe that the Spirit can give you wisdom and understanding to the plans of God for your life. It could be really big ticket items and really small ticket items. We say, God, I want you to lead me through your spirit in the way that I should live and the way that I should conduct myself. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. This is the message paraphrase. It says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. You can't handle the truth? No, just movie reference. Okay, I told you you weren't with me. That's fine. That's fine. We're almost done. We're almost done. But when the friend comes, capital F, when the friend comes in the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth that there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen. And indeed, out of all that I have done and said, and he will honor me and he will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the father has is also mine. That's why I've said he takes from me and delivers to you. He won't draw attention to himself. He will reveal the father to you. The spirit of God will reveal the father to you. That you can know God through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's the last way that God desires to be known, and it's through his son, Jesus. Through his son, Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Sometimes when we talk about the Spirit of God, that's a little difficult for us to grasp. I get that. Shouldn't freak you out. It's not meant to be weird, right? Not meant to be crazy. It's just the idea that God, in his sovereignty, in his grace, gave to us this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. But I get that sometimes it's difficult for us to fully grasp all that that may mean. Sometimes it's easier for us to grasp the person and the work of Jesus, the Son of God, because he was flesh and blood, right? He was, he was human form. And so we can read these stories, and we can, we can go to them, and we can go, okay, I've got a friend who has betrayed me. What did Jesus do? What should I do? I'm walking through grief and suffering. I'm hurting right now. Jesus wept. It's okay for me to cry. It's okay for me to feel what I feel. Like I'm trying to figure out how to withstand temptation when it's very enticing and I'm hungry and I'm not really sure like how I'm going to withstand. What did Jesus do in the face of adversity and temptation and what should I do? It's sometimes easier for us to look to the stories of scripture and recognize that in flesh and blood form, we have a great example that as God is trying to shape us and conform us and mold us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, like what did Jesus do? And that's not a reference to the bracelet. It's like, what did he actually do? And so through his son, Jesus, God reveals how he can be known by us. And this is, again, more than just stories. We've been singing about Jesus today. We we read and celebrate the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. Last week, we celebrated and reflected and remembered the resurrection of Jesus. But it's, it's more than just that. We aren't just celebrating events. We believe that we're learning about the nature of God. That God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to the earth. That God allowed him who did not sin to take on our sin so that we could take on the righteousness of Christ to stand before God. That that's what the cross was about. And the resurrection was this demonstration of God's power. That nothing is more powerful than the power of God. We're learning about the character and nature of God through the events of the life of Jesus. You and I... Don't get to see Jesus face to face like the disciples. So so what can we do to know him through his word and through the Holy Spirit and through the person of Jesus? There's a lot of things, but just talking specifically about our church, we believe that you can know God. And we want to create environments and contexts and places where you can explore your questions of faith. And one of those is moments just like this. Corporate worship services, corporate worship experiences. We try to create moments within these where you can experience the presence and the power of God. You can learn truths about him, not just in moments like this when we're reading the Bible, but in moments of worship and moments of prayer and fellowship and encouragement with one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. There's power in being together. There's power in being together. It's sometimes for you, and it's sometimes for other people. But when we gather, we want to create authentic experiences. But we also want them to be as excellent as we can, I love the psalm, Psalm 34, 8, where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Maybe it's my hunger pains right now, but that taste part sounds right. (laughs) Sounds right. Communion, we taste the body and the blood. We, We see these moments, these attributes of the love and character and nature of God 
Almighty. And so when we gather, we want to we want it to be an experience where you can taste and see. It's sensory. It's experiential. You're not just supposed to like, my youth pastor used to say, come in, sit, soak, and sour. That's what happens to a lot of Christians, right? We just come into the church, we sit, we soak, we sour. No, we want to taste and see that the Lord is good. We gear our services for you to experience the presence and the power of God. We also gear them that we want you to invite your friends and family to come and to be with you so that they too can experience the truth of God's word and his presence. We want you in the room on Sundays. Not just Sundays every few weeks. Like we want you here every Sunday. How many of you would lift your hand and say, I'll be here every Sunday? All right, that sounds about right. I've been here some of those Sundays when that was all that was here. Like I just, I get it, I get it. I'm not here all 52 weeks, I get it. But we want you here every week, sometimes for you, sometimes for others of you. Like your your worship blesses somebody else. It helps somebody else. You're serving, using your gifts. It helps somebody else. And when you're not here, We want you watching online. Some of you are watching online today. I had a text right after the nine o'clock service this morning from someone who couldn't be here. They said, hey, we joined in online. We want you to watch online. We've created that with the help of technology. We didn't like chart the course. We didn't make this thing. We're not on the cutting edge. But we're leveraging technology to present the gospel. And we we want to continue to improve that experience. We have a, a great team of people, some of them sitting in this room, some of them sitting that way. You don't see them. They're in a room back there. They're switching camera shots and running lyrics and they're, they're, they're mixing audio and we want to keep getting better at that. We're, we're investing in technology. We need like $35,000. It was not budgeted this year. We need like $35,000 to improve what we're doing, what we're able to offer. Maybe the Lord prompts you because you've got some friends and family that wouldn't come into this room, but they might watch online. You want to help us improve that experience. Maybe you want to serve on that team, but we just believe that if you can't be in the room, you can watch online. And if you're watching online... I'll talk to all of us first. If you're watching online, like we don't want it just on in the background. So if you're watching online right now and I'm in another room talking to you, come back into the room, (laughs) right? Like when we say stand and worship with us, like stand up in your living room and worship with us. You're like, I will look like an idiot. You're in your home. Nobody's watching you, right? When we're saying like, hey, clap your hands. And you're driving your car and you're watching, you know, listening, right? There may be cops in the room. I don't know. You're listening. Like, we want you to clap your hands and drive with your knee or something. I don't know what we want you to do, but like, we want you to participate because it's corporate worship in the room and online. In this place, in this location, we believe God's also opening up doors of opportunity for us to take Generations Church into other communities here in the North Georgia region. We continue to pray about that and seek those and Ask God to lead and guide and direct our our steps. But every time that we do, we want to create environments in that location for people to come and to worship God in the room and online, in other places and online. It's important. We believe in it. I'll tell you why it's important. I got this text this past week. If you were here last week for Easter, you heard us tell a story. They actually shared their own story. Richard and Pam White, a couple of part of our church, great family connected to our church. They shared their, their testimony of how God restored their marriage. They had separated a couple decades, two decades ago, and God had brought them back together. And incredible story of restoration of what God did. And then they lost their 25-year-old daughter about 15 months ago. And how God has been working in their lives and in their faith over these last 15 months. It was a powerful, powerful story. And on Tuesday, they sent me this text. I got permission to share it. It says, hi, Mrs. White. This is, it's this individual's name. 
Brianna's friend. That's their daughter that passed away. You had given me your phone number back in September when we talked on Facebook about my postpartum depression. And I wanted to text you and thank you and Mr. White for sharing what you did at your church service. I always see you guys posting videos from services, but I've never watched one. But I watched the Easter service when you posted. I watched Pastor Jeremy speak after your testimony and I couldn't stop listening to the words that you all shared. I felt so drawn to those words. I've never been to a church service. I was raised by a Jewish father and a non-practicing Catholic mother, but we were raised to choose our own paths in regards to faith and religion. I really enjoyed watching the service and hearing you guys speak, and I want that kind of faith in God in the room and online. Corporate worship experiences, corporate opportunities to experience all that God has for us to know him better. I don't want to just stand up and preach. I want you to take notes. I want you to talk back to me. I want us to have this lively experience to taste and see the goodness of God. I want us to grow and to learn all that we can so that we can know God better. A few weeks ago was spring break in Cherokee County. And some of you, you went on trips and we were jealous watching you on social media. Corey and I have four kids. Our oldest son, Cooper, was the only one that left town for spring break. The rest of us had a staycation here. And Cooper went with some friends and their parents to the beach for a few days before he came back for baseball. And I got a text from him on that Monday while he was sitting on the beach. And I got his permission, not the first three times I asked, but I did get his permission after that to share with you what he texted me. This is what he sent to me on that Monday of spring break while he was sitting on the beach. He said, Ike. Now, for those that are over 30... That means all right. Okay, all right. So I'm reading my devotion, and they're saying Jesus is the better Moses, which when they explain it, I guess I get why, but why do they even compare that, and what is even the point of that, and what should I even get from that? Moses saved his people from bondage, I said, with the Exodus. Jesus saved all of mankind from the bondage of sin. He says, but like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, they're just saying that? And I said, well, they're making a connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's important to know that the stories are all connected. He said, ah, first of all, as a father, the fact that my son was on spring break sitting on the beach reading his Bible, hello, right? That's, oh yeah, absolutely. That's attributed to his mother completely, completely. But beyond that, who are you asking your questions of faith to? That's why it's important to be in a faith community. Maybe you have a family where you can text your mom or your dad or your uncle or your grandparents or a kid or one another. But if not, you you need to be in a community of faith where you can go, hey, I was reading this and I don't know what this means. That's okay to do, right? That's that's fine. Like this is a safe place for you. You need to be in a G group, not because they all serve the best food and they're the best people. They, They are, but not... So that you have someone to text a question to and go, I'm reading this and I don't know what it means. You need to come on Sundays so that your questions don't linger for two and three and four weeks. But you can just walk up to somebody and go, hey, I just need to be encouraged today. I just need to be strengthened today. I just need, I just need to hug somebody. I need to high five somebody. Like we, we, we want to get together. We want to meet together because it matters. Because we can know God. And I'll make you a money-back guarantee that's connected to no money. If you commit yourself to be in church as often as possible this year, I believe with all of my heart that you will know God better than you do right now in this moment. I believe it with all of my heart. Not because of us, but because of him. He's revealing himself to us. 
He desires for you to know him. I'm not trying to overwhelm you. I'm actually trying to simplify this thing. Because you're like, I don't know. There's like 17 things I could possibly do. No, 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 no. We just, we just want you to pursue God. To know him better. Like you did with somebody maybe sitting near you when you started dating. Like you did on the first week or two of your job. Like you, like you did the first time you ever walked into a church. Like you did the first time you ever picked up. A, like you just, you, just, you just get passionate about it. There's just a sense of urgency to say, hey, what's next? What's next? What's next? We don't want to settle. We don't want to become complacent. We want to continue to explore all that God might have for us. So I got one more question for you before we pray. If you don't know God, where are you searching for him? How urgently, how hard are you searching for him? He's not hiding from you. How often are you reading the Bible? Not to condemn you, not to, con- like to challenge you like you're a dirty, rotten person. Like, no, no, like how often are you actually reading the Bible if he's revealing himself here? How often are you in relationship with other people that are talking about faith? How often are you asking the spirit of God to reveal the father to you? How hard are you searching? He wants you to know him. If this is your first time in church or you've been here for 50 years, he wants you to take a next step and pursue him more. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. If you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I am not in a relationship with God. I want that to change today. In just a moment, we're going to give you some instructions about how you can pray and what you should do and say. But if that's you and you say, hey, I need him to forgive my sins and to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? And now if you would say, Jeremy, for me, it's not really about salvation specifically. Like it's not about praying that kind of prayer, but I want to know God more. Through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through his son Jesus, through relationships, however he chooses to reveal himself, I want to know God more. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Tons of us today in both services. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today for the opportunity to respond to you. We thank you for all that we've experienced today. And God, we just pray for every person that lifted their hands to acknowledge their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, would you forgive their sins and be their Lord? We celebrate with heaven as they acknowledge it right now, their need for you to do so. God, we thank you for your response to them. Through the work, the completed work of Jesus on the cross, they are invited into the family of God. And so God, we celebrate with heaven now. And God, for those of us that just said, I wanna know God more. I wanna take a next step. I don't wanna get complacent as if just being in and around the church for a long period of time is enough. I wanna know God more. Give us a hunger and a passion to know your word Spend time in worship with the Holy Spirit pursuing more of you. And God, we thank you that you reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.